This is my daughter, Willow. Good evening. Show the sergeant to his room. Much has been said of the strumpets of yore. Of wenches and baldy house queens by the score. But I sing of the baggage that we all adore. The landlord's daughter, you'll never love another. Although she's not the kind of girl to take home to your mother. <laughs> is lively and strong to the taste. It is brewed with discretion, never with haste. You can have all you like if you swear not to waste. The landlord's daughter, and when her name is mentioned, the parts of every gentleman do stand up at attention. <laughs> lies between her left toe and her right toe. <laughs> love when I... Uh, when I sneeze or something. And it freaks the cats out. Or I, I don't mean sneeze, I mean fart. Like when I, when I fart and the cats are just like, what? Like, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> You, the very beginning of this, because you you hit record, so there was there's there was a very nice. I didn't say anything because there's it's picking up all this bird song. Oh, yeah, and then uh, and then there's this nice like gravelly footstep as you footsteps as you walk towards the mic. Look it up. <laughs> like, here's the thing about a fart, but I actually say sneeze. And <laughs> yeah, it was it's this wonderful peaceful intro, and then it's like parts. <laughs> Like I did, I didn't even land the the fart joke. Like I said, a totally <laughs> different bodily function. That's, that's where I'm at today. Yeah. I know what you mean about the um. So that feeling of like, oh, I have a musical idea, but I don't know how to make it real. I mean, yeah. that's that was my entire music career. <laughs> that that was a majority of my art career, actually. <laughs> Especially at the beginning, it was like. Uh, I, d I have I have ideas and concepts that are bigger than my capacity like I don't know how to actually like I have to learn how to I can draw okay but I, I'm gonna have to put in some fucking effort to get to get anywhere near where I wanted to be yeah the, the problem for me was just like <clears throat> it's like I can handle organizing band practice and writing the damn songs and or and like composing all the parts to them and <clears throat> but like I can't do the marketing too, and I can't do. Yeah. I can't be also a recording engineer, because um, that's the, a different the, fucking job than songwriter. Period. Yeah. Like, if you can do both, you're a genius. But like. Uh, yeah, I have a, I have a, I have a friend. Uh, her name's Kim Bookbinder. Actually, she's, um, she's made some really, I really, really like her music, um, and um, she's always very, really impressed me. But she's she's been a one woman operation for so long and it totally took a toll on her, you know, like writing the music, creating, and then having to promote it and put shows together. Like she did a thing. This is years ago now where she did an entire tour based off Kickstarter. Yeah. And, um, 
it went okay. I think it was better as an idea than a than a reality. Yeah, I did the same thing with my well, one of my old bands, and it was like, <clears throat> I mean, it was it was great. We went on tour with the money that that our fans sent us in exchange for like albums and like little stupid gifts and things. Um, and then like, of course we didn't make any money on the tour. So we basically just got like this really cool vacation where we played music in places in empty bars for three yeah. weeks. <clears throat> and that was actually the, yeah, that was the only time I've ever been to Brooklyn. Oh. And we had a, a full-size school bus that was converted to diesel uh, driving around at Bushwick. <laughs> oh, that must have been a nightmare driving through New York with a fucking bus. So dumb. I, I didn't have to drive, so it was funny. I, I had a, um, my first job here in the city. We, uh, we, it was a design slash advertising company, but we launched our own product. We created a bottle of water. And um, it was only, it was like four people. It was like me and two other guys. And they occasionally would hire another person to do like random like deliveries. Cause we, we had a delivery truck too. We got a delivery truck to deliver the water all around Brooklyn. And um, sometimes the driver would call out and my art director would have to go and do the deliveries in the city. <laughs> And, uh, and one time the guy called out and, and, uh, and it was like, it was the CEO and then me and my art director and they turned to me and I'm like, no, fire me. I am not delivering. I'm not driving a <laughs> delivery truck in fucking Manhattan. Are you kidding me? No. Uh, and I, I was literally like, fire me. I am not doing this. Uh, but instead they were like, the, my art director like okay but then you have to do this other thing which was basically me staying up the entire night putting like little paper labels on boxes of water for fucking uh for like an event that we were gonna have it was like i don't remember like four thousand cases of water and i had to like print out and like put these like little like hello blah 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 like labels on everything and then and then he was like and then you were like Nah, man, I don't want to do that either. And then he's like, he's like, well, then you got to suck my dick. <laughs> and then that's the big reveal. Like, that's what he was getting at all along. <laughs> I think I'd be like, you know, there's probably easier ways to do this. <laughs> you could have just asked, dude. What the fuck? <laughs> Why are you putting our business at jeopardy? Uh, this is the soapbox, by the way. Yeah, or yeah. Soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> Usually no, you do the intro. That's but. the whole thing is is it's uh it's sometimes it's the soapbox, sometimes it's a soapbox. And and there are also approximately 55 other uh podcasts with the exact same name. Are there really? <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch. And I think it's just perfect because like <clears throat> like we're the real one, obviously. Yeah. Maybe like, we should change maybe we should change our name to Suds Cube. Maybe we should. <laughs> Built sphere. <laughs> Just the opposite. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Fuck you guys. We're the built sphere. It's really hard to say though. It's not going to catch on. No. <laughs> but I think it's like we're the real soapbox because, uh, I mean, all right. 
I guess this, I don't have a really strong argument for this, <laughs> but I think, I think like, I, I really like the idea of the like soap, soap operas and a soap box is where you watch. It's the boob tube. Oh, right? but it's also the place where you stand to give a sermon or to tell people the end is near. So ah. like, to me, that all just kind of like wove together into this, like, yeah, we're the fucking maniac on the corner, like chucking Bibles at your head. <laughs> Um, except like, you know, modern times. What? No, it's funny. I've never thought about the, the whole idea of it, the soapbox being another term for a television. Mm. Oh, um, I don't think it, I don't think it like is, but that's what comes to mind. Uh, yeah, no, 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 but that's great. Like that's a, an own, your own personal, uh, metaphor. It's pretty yeah. awesome. And then, and then further along this mythology, like part of this kind of is like us having like guy time because we're both married and we both pretty much hang out with our wives and like yeah getting to just like talk about stupid or violent shit that are that like <clears throat> maybe our wives aren't into as us or whatever uh it's it's really satisfying and like really good to have that bro time and then on top of that there's the like along those lines kind of like feeling that out and like the wake of the past 10 years and whatnot of like what it even is to be a man um there's the whole like soapbox tyler durden soap making connection to oh this whole like repressed masculinity aspect that i think shit wow i know yeah okay yeah like i've gone i go deep with all the choices i make with anything creative i just like usually don't expect anyone to care <laughs> <laughs> So that that actually brings up an interesting question because because um, I, I find this for myself when I when I do creative work <clears throat> is that often like all these connections you're making and talking about the name. Um, so for me, like I might make something, and then it's not until after I've made it that then it starts to reveal all these possibilities and metaphors that are contained within it. And I, I wonder if it's the same thing for you. Like, it's like, oh, the idea pops in and then like all these things you're talking about with, with the name Soapbox, like it, it's like that didn't reveal itself until you're like, yeah, it's going to be called this. And then slowly it's like, oh yeah, this and this and this and this and this. These are all like, all of this is connected to this one idea, but it's like I had, you had to have the idea first before all the metaphors and um, yeah, all the metaphors and magic basically are revealed in it. And then there's like that spirit behind you that inspired that initial thought. And they're like watching in horror and embarrassment as you go on to explain to yourself why you're brilliant. <laughs> when it was like, like that original little spark, like probably not us a lot of the time. And then, <laughs> and then we're like, oh, and another reason why I'm so brilliant. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely dangerous. <laughs> it's dangerous to attach too too much to that. But I think that's that's actually okay. So I felt like a phony for doing that with my lyrics for a while when I was writing a lot of music. Like it was, I was like, I just write some bullshit abstraction, and then I'd go back and read it and be like, this means that okay, this actually does make sense to me. And yeah. I, but I, I didn't intend it to mean what it meant. And so I'd feel like there was this removal of like, I don't actually get to take credit for this. Mm -hmm. um, I get now that 
being a willing receptacle or vessel or conduit. A <laughs> channel. Receptacle sounds a lot dirtier than I meant it to. <laughs> but there's something to that. And and it there's a reason a lot of great artists are on the, you know, a lot of great creative people are um, fucking crazy and on the verge of like their lives falling apart. I think there's there's some kind of like surfing the edge that comes with creativity. I don't think it has to be that way, but I think that um, riding like the place where currents meet and like being in those areas of friction is like really, really helpful. Um, it's helpful to like chase that that high of creativity. There's also like like more relaxed kinds that come I think later when you realize you can just fucking relax. Yeah. Well, I think it, I think the, the, another aspect of it is like not having to prove yourself. There's a certain point where, um, like it's not necessary to, I, th I think, especially when you start out and you're only beginning to do any sort of creative pursuit, there's a point where it's like, I have to show the world that I'm fucking brilliant or something, because I think it's, I think it's part of the narrative of our culture that, um, that, Often it's about like young genius that comes out of nowhere, uh, which is mostly bullshit. Yeah. No, like, uh, like there's that famous Woody Allen quote, which is like, it took 10 years to be an overnight success. <laughs> is it, you know, often, often there's a bunch of work that happens behind the scenes and it's only, and suddenly these people seem like they come out of nowhere. Uh, and there's, there's two aspects of it one is that sometimes they're just promoted like they just happen to know the the system they're like the child of someone in the fucking entertainment industry or something so that the and they and not to say that they're they are themselves not talented but it's they have the benefit of the whole structure of the system like supporting them and like pushing them out there's that one but the other way is that it's like you you struggle and figure all figure out your um uh, your craft and you work on it for a long time and then eventually it gets noticed at a larger level and that that's like this that's like this uh threshold being crossed and it's suddenly you're new to a whole bunch of other people but at the core you've been at this for a while and there's yeah. like there's probably core fans that are like likely may abandon you once you get <laughs> once you get over that threshold but um but that to you're new to a whole bunch of people whereas in the fact that you haven't this isn't a new thing for you you've been doing it for a while yeah and then like three quarters of your friends hate you <laughs> yeah some people really hate success they really hate successful friends they really hate that they didn't get it yeah yeah that i think that's a real test of um that's a real test of maturity um i mean i know i've struggled with that before Especially when you think, uh, like, you're like that person did not deserve the success they have. Um, they, I don't understand. Like, they, they're they obviously don't do as good a work. Why are they so much? Why are they so much more successful? But I, I think if you can just learn to appreciate anyone you know, reaching to success, and, and ultimately, it's going to benefit you somehow anyway. Even if it, even if it's so, uh, even if it's a thing of um, like, oh, it's possible. I know someone who has done that. So, you know, 
this isn't like an a, a pipe dream it's a it's a reality i don't know why yeah, the fuck we're talking about this <laughs> no that's that's a big deal um it's really interesting because that actually um i've been thinking about that a lot lately <clears throat> what the sense of kind of community and like like if you if you grew up in some tribe you would come of age and then the whole community would gather around and celebrate your initiation into adulthood yeah and can you imagine like if the town whatever shitty town either one of us grew up in with all the mean people in school like if all those if all the people came together and they genuinely supported you and and like recognize this moment and that you are changed and like there's this context there that like then you know everyone um mm. they all they all know who you are they know your story so then mm. then any skill you're gonna learn is from someone who's already been doing it you're already familiar with their work um so mm. it's already it's already not only possible it's necessary <clears throat> yeah um but like <clears throat> especially when it comes to like an active magical practice being like solitary magician who's just into this stuff who feels like pulled to it but doesn't have a community and that was me for most of my life i wasn't really like actively practicing but like i was committed to a spiritual path like committed to discovery and exploration and above above everything else that's what i cared about um yeah but there's something about like when you don't have the permission which means just having someone to show you that it can be done that it's possible like you were saying and it's it's so weird something i've noticed in myself is when i find some when i happen to finally find somebody that's like worth kind of looking up to in one craft or another where i look at them and i'm like i really appreciate everything this person's doing and it's they actually have something to aspire to and there's no bullshit in there to ruin it for me i get like overwhelming anxiety about talking to those people mm. um and that should never happen like that should never be there and and what i find once once it goes away and i actually like kind of connect and become friends with them or talk to them is the whole time like that what's that act what that actually is about is i need someone i respect to give me permission to do the thing that they're doing and the whole reason I was drawn to them in the first place is because I want to do this thing. Mm -hmm. So then like some subconscious part of you is like, well, okay, now I got to find someone that says it's okay. Yeah. You know, it's uh, the thing that springs to mind funny enough, uh, which is uh, not the film we're going to talk about today, but as one, I think we should at some point um, we talk about movies. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> uh is uh, did you ever see mad max fury road yeah you, you know the you know the like the uh what the fuck are they called the 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 guys in white the something boys i forget what the fuck they're they're oh, it's been a while since I've, but you know their whole like witness me and then they go do some crazy fucking thing the the, the paint huffers yeah the paint they're like yeah the, that it's the whole, charlie like, it's the charlie charlie kelly gang yeah <laughs> the, that whole thing witness me that 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 is such a a potent <laughs> mythological truism yeah yeah 
because that, that's that's like the that's exactly what you're talking about it's it's that permission it's it's someone looking at what you're doing and saying yeah do that and it's wanting to be seen in that way um and it's sort of interesting because you know that's like what you're talking about like celebrating a birthday by with your town or your tribe or something that's what a birthday party is supposed to be but it doesn't i don't know that it ever really feels like that i don't i never had one that felt like that um yeah it kind of seems like like american culture is just play acting at almost everything <laughs> like there's yeah. like a a larp element to even the things that people seem to think they're being completely sincere doing i don't know what that is but it feels like they're two feet to the left of what it is that they think they're doing and they're watching themselves do it um to see how it looks and that's like mm. all, the only reason they're doing it at all i wonder if it didn't used to be this way like maybe yeah. uh, maybe a hundred years ago that these things these things had more weight i think this particular thing probably is uh the patterns of communication that are fed to us through media like this mm -hmm. whole um the idea that that life is the movie in which you are trying to be the most likable character <laughs> uh -huh. all the time and or the coolest or the scariest or the sexiest it's like i'm just trying to really uh, pump some life into this character right now and I think that's mm -hmm. what what most people should be honestly saying about their lives <laughs> like not like oh I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm doing this thing and I'm doing that it's like no I'm just really trying to like add some texture to this this blank beige slab of flesh that I am because uh, I, did, I didn't take enough risks to become interesting or I didn't self-reflect enough to actually make art like <laughs> or not enough people were cruel to me to to fuel my spite to <laughs> right yeah yeah why is it people shoot shoot up shoot up schools now instead of just like making a cool painting or like a metal album oh man i do okay <laughs> It's not going to the pool. It's just jumping into the fucking cliffs off yeah, into the sorry. ocean. You know what? You're right. I really don't want to talk. I, I don't want to talk about the feds this episode. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not opposed to doing it. I'm just like, I don't even know where to begin. Like that's such a, um, cause it does speak to, there's something deeply fucked up, but, um, well, they're all schizophrenics who have a lot of them ties to federal agents. So, I mean, <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, there's oh boy. I, I never know why the weird shit's happening. I just know when I see it. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah, this this family isn't lying about the shit that happened. And there's their schizophrenic son leading up to his death. Um, I believe them. Yeah, I don't I don't know why they're right. Like, and I'm, I'm cool with that, too. Mm hmm. Sorry. So no, no. So Wicker Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm so glad you did it because I was about to do it, but then. <laughs> uh, starring um, Saruman. Yeah, the probably the most most recognizable person in this entire movie. Yeah, as Saruman. 
<laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> what what is his name? Summer Isle? Somerville? What the fuck is his name? I thought that was the I thought that was the name of the whole island. It is, but it's also his name. Oh, that's sure. that's right. Of course, he's English. So yeah, any any piece of land no, he Scottish. Owns, oh, whatever. Wait, no, maybe he's English, but the the <laughs> island is Scottish. Either way, if you're from that island and you like own another island, you're gonna name it your own last name. Because <laughs> that's just yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, pretty pretty awesome. Uh, 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 yeah, I don't. Okay. <laughs> So I, how do I talk? <laughs> well, yeah, basically. So this movie, I was thinking about this, and that that um, this is one of those movies that, um, as a film nerd, as someone who's like always paid attention to film and cinema culture, and like you know, like different people that review movies and talk about them, and like talk about them in relation this movie has sort of um i feel like i've no i've known this movie before i've ever seen it this is the first time i think both brian and i are this is the first time either one of us have seen this movie yeah it was a it was a hail mary it was a hail mary and like um it's loomed large it it sort of has like a weird legendary status and um it's it's sort of echoed out it it i don't even know where to begin like this movie is such much like the apples that are the the bounty of somerville this movie is a bounty of the 70s it is the it is the most 70s fucking movie i've ever seen from the fucking soundtrack to the weird women dancing around and like nude stockings or whatever it's just it's, it's so of its era um and, and fucking Soromon's you know bright yellow turtlenecks that he's wearing everywhere um but it so, so I was like uh, this movie's always been talked up and is is like kind of has this legendary status and I'm I liked it and you thought it was okay that's the thing we were saying and I kind of agree with you it's not amazing it's not an amazing movie it's not bad uh but it's not what i was expecting to kind of be blown away and that's not what this was that's not really what this was this is this feels um until the very end of it it feels kind of very small and contained um but again until it gets to the very end which is this like really crazy but but even that like i i this movie's been again since I'm so familiar with it, like outside of watching it, like none of that was shocking. Like yeah. I, I knew the entire plot of this movie before. I don't know if it's the same for you. Yeah, I mean, I knew. Yes, the entire plot was uh, the entire plot, except the very end, was all present in the description of the film, mm -hmm. and then the part at the very end is literally known to everyone in, yeah. the first, in the first world beyond. Yeah, basically. It's like, so, so I, I had the same sort of effect. It was like, okay. And then the next thing would happen and I'd be like, cool. And then the next thing would happen and I'd be like, that's exactly what I expected to happen. <laughs> um, every, every step of the way. And, uh, 
I really, really liked watching Saruman every time he was on film. Yeah. Uh, he's great. Um, but the lead role. Um, Fuck that guy. What Woody Woodward word word. Yeah. Um, it's his who the fuck names their kid that when your last name's already Woodward like Edward Woodward. Fuck off. That's just yeah, that's that's cruelty to animals. Um he annoyed the shit out of me, like through the whole thing. Yeah. His his acting was just so and it didn't it didn't like add to the weirdness. It took me out of it. It made me feel like I should be watching some totally normal TV movie or something mm. or some kind of TCM thing from 10 years before 73. Yeah. It didn't oh, oh. Go ahead. Yeah, it, his his acting didn't feel like it it matched I uh I don't know. That's <laughs> that's that's interesting cuz like um when I cuz I said fuck that guy because like him as a character and this is not even a comment as the, on the actor or his acting it's just his presence in the movie is like I'm on the side of the pagan island people. This guy is obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there was there was absolutely no attempt. It seems like there was no attempt to make him likable or to make him a character you wanted to follow at all. Yeah. I I, I don't feel like that actually plays to the the, the movie in any way. I feel like uh-huh. for it being billed as a horror flick, it's like you should want the main character to survive. So yeah. that so that in that last moment where everyone turns on him, like you feel like, oh fuck, that could happen to me. Like because mm-hmm. you've identified with him. But maybe at the time a lot of men did identify with that dude. Maybe. Uh, but it was 73. I mean, I figure everybody's like on acid and <laughs> like if they haven't, if they're not on acid, they've at least done some acid. Uh or they live in the suburbs and you know they do cocaine and fuck their neighbors. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I actually come come to mention it. it. It does have that very like um, the expiration date of the hippies. Like the hippies are scary now. Like it was this idea. You know, we're past. We've gone to the point, past the point of Manson. So um, all this fucking shit that that has uh the countercultural is is evil so i i feel like that's kind of where it's pulling some of this from um but but yeah the whole time i'm like fucking i'd live in this town this seems awesome these people that's, are like <laughs> I, I i had to like force myself to forget because i i hate <clears throat> it's like a personal thing if i if i think of something funny to say uh-huh. and it's and it's not the right time for it yeah it's my duty to just flush it and forget uh-huh. because if you fucking save that for later, you're a douchebag. Uh-huh. Like, I, and I'm like, but what I thought while I was watching it was like, like, welcome to the soapbox. Today we're watching a, a lovely vacation film. <laughs> uh, it's a fish out of water story. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was like weekend at Bernie's, but he dies at the end instead of the beginning. Beginning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, other than the fact that I think they sacrifice children, that's about the, you know, that's the one big fucking downside for these people. But other than that, like, no, no, this is awful. no, these people don't sacrifice children. These people, these people sacrifice cops. <laughs> 
Well, no. Okay. So <laughs> I, they, I, at the very end, I think they, they did sacrifice kids up until they sacrificed him. I don't think they did. I think you don't think they did. I think they staged okay. the whole, they staged the whole thing because they him. were like, yeah, just to get him. Yeah, no, I know that, but, 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 but I, the crops failed for the first time. And I think that part was true. Yeah. So like, I think everything was fine. I was like, oh, we got bad crops last year. We, we need a sacrifice, but we don't like killing our own people. So we're going to, because otherwise, why wouldn't they just lure a copter every year? Mm. I mean, I don't, I don't know how smart Scotland Yard is or anything, but. <laughs> well, they're supposed to be the OG um, feds, basically. Not very bright. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh man, I'm glad they don't have jurisdiction where I live. <laughs> yeah, no, I. Uh, yeah, I hated him. I hated him, and he was a, he was annoying, and like, was he just had such a stick up his ass, and and I'm like, I'm totally on the side of the fucking pagan people, gonna burn him alive. I'm, up until the very end, I was like, kind of, I was like, ah, oh, I, I, I feel a little sympathy for this guy. But, but what was amazing is that even at the end, where they stick him in the wicker man and set it on fire, fucking Lord Summer, I was like, I'm giving you the chance to be a real Christian. You're gonna be a fucking martyr. <laughs> like you're gonna actually connect with, yeah. with your religion in a deep way. I'm giving you this opportunity. I think um, that was my favorite aspect of the whole movie, like. Because at that moment, like, it's kind of a win-win. <laughs> <laughs> like, this dude was clearly very serious about religion. I mean, he yeah. I don't know what age he was supposed to be in the movie, but he was definitely a 40-year-old virgin. Yeah. And, I mean, if you're, I know he had a fiancé and, like, he was about to get laid. Yeah. But, like, all those years of life he just didn't care about trying to live yeah <laughs> it's just and and the whole the whole time they're tempting him they're like there's women throwing him throwing themselves at him and like uh which is you know it plays out to the larger story and that they're ba it seems like they're testing him like to make sure that this is the right guy um, yeah i just i see that's the part where it detaches me as someone who actually practices magic because if you were setting if you were setting that kind of shit up, yeah, and then he's there and it took all that effort and your whole island's lives are dependent on it, you're not gonna test him. You're gonna be like, he fulfilled all the requirements. Requirements. Yeah, yeah. like let's leave it alone until it's time. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I mean there maybe there's another way of looking at it, like they're basically flaunting themselves in front of him. Like they know he's not gonna he's not gonna be tempted. Um so, so part of it's the torture, maybe? Oh, yeah. And it could be, um, like, if he, didn't, if he didn't empty the pipes, like, that's a lot of stored up sexual energy. So upon, oh, yeah. upon, upon the sacrifice and the release, yeah, that's going to be, oh, I, I really did like how after he dies, they don't do anything else except just slowly pan over to the son who is the goddess that he was just sacrificed to. Yeah. And they just like, like, the, like stare at the sunset thinking like she just ate him. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, and then, well, it's, it's, it's over the shoulder of the burning wicker man and the head falls off, I think. And then it, that reveals the sun. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of awesome. 
it is a it is a cool scene but but yeah there's there's parts of it that come to think of it you have to accept a certain level of um that they're actual practicing magicians this isn't just like a fake belief because also the fact that they knew somehow that he was going to knock out the punch guy and take out take his costume yeah that was cool yeah uh, to set that up i feel like i could have used with a little bit more evidence that they were actually magic yeah <clears throat> like something unexplainable that wasn't just them pulling a prank on him yeah that would have been cool to drop in there i mean i guess i guess the idea is to sort of couch it and quote-unquote reality more so that there's uh with the idea maybe that there there's some uncertainty about what if any you know if these are just crazy people right um there's some of that uh but but yeah like the whole time watching this that fucking cop like even when he goes into the like desecrated church it's just crumbled and he's like there's like a woman feeding her child, like breastfeeding of like a four-year-old is what it seems like. And he just like, he's like, oh my God, I fucking hate everything. And he takes like this, these scraps of wood and makes a, makes a cross to him for like the stone altar. <laughs> and it's like, these people clearly don't give a fuck about Christianity. Like, stop. <laughs> like, just fucking turn your other cheek, you son of a bitch. Isn't that what you're <laughs> supposed to do? Like, and also, like, like you're indifferent. And that's the other thing, is that he's going through. He's, he's one isolated dude on this fucking island full of, like, these Scottish pagans. Like, it's, it's him and them. Like, it's, it's the entire island is, is all of these people. They all believe. And he's this one dude who's a fucking Christian. And it's a cop, and he's like, I have authority. You guys need to listen to me. Like, you gotta, this is preposterous. How dare you sing about fucking the bartender's wife, I mean, daughter or whatever. What are you doing? Like, he's just, the arrogance that he has of this perceived authority, where, I mean, it, it seems like if you were self-aware, you would look around and be like, I need backup. I don't think I should be fucking doing any of this. You know what I feel like this actually was? I don't think they intended it this way at all. But to me, this was an allegory for like what uh, what it would look like to any indigenous culture that the British walked up into. Hmm. Yeah. It's just that one guy perfectly represents the entire British Empire. <laughs> the entitlement, the, the sense of like just perceive like assumed authority yeah um, that his worldview is absolutely correct and anyone else is a fucking animal oh yeah um, it's just like a gary <laughs> yeah pretty much i mean he was, he was even i don't know i feel like they were even a little bit i don't know they didn't care about the natives in that they didn't care about the indigenous no i guess uh, that's true they weren't trying to convert people really oh uh, damn it uh, uh hold on Pause. P A W S. That's right, folks. We'll just give you a few minutes to to laugh that one off. Yeah. <sighs> I guess I gotta entertain you now. Uh... 
make the baby grow. Take the flame inside you, burn and burn the nail. Fire steam and fire feed and make the baby stay. Take the flame inside you, burn and burn the long. Fire steam and fire feed and make the baby strong. And so anyway, that's how I got the Twinkie out of my asshole. <laughs> Fucking that package wasn't even for me. One of those downstairs neighbors. All that nonsense. Put on your tap shoes tonight. <laughs> I'm gonna sacrifice them in a giant wicker person. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting point. The, the 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 fucking colonial arrogance of this guy. Um, uh, to just like stomp around and be like, you don't have to listen to me. <laughs> yeah, when when they got out, I have to say that when they got out the masks, I got excited and I was like, oh, it's about to pick up, <clears throat> and it's gonna it's gonna start feeling more weird. And yeah, they're gonna give us some. Honestly, the devils didn't have one supernatural element in it, and it was a far weirder. Like watching yeah. it just made your skin crawl at certain points and give you like anxiety at others. And like, there's this edge to the acting that brought this, and this just felt so flat to me. I think we've just watched a couple really good movies in a row, and like, <clears throat> this just felt really flat. Um, that's the best word for it. Like I got towards the end and I'm just like, Oh, okay, here we are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in, um, and I also, I, another aspect of this, um, I was thinking about this funny enough, you know, how I'm talking about, I've sort of known about this movie this entire time, even though I've never seen it and I kind of know everything about it more or less. I know the important points right before even watching it. And I was thinking about, um, Oh, there's sometimes these like works of art that um like for me like the mona lisa like you're kind of born knowing about the mona lisa like it's somehow like genetically imprinted like as you i don't i don't ever remember learning about the mona lisa it just sort of has always existed in inside my consciousness and that was kind of the way with this movie sort of and i part of it i think is because it's aspects of it have been disseminated out into uh other films most recently uh you know probably the most recent cultural uh echo of this movie is midsummer which is clearly is clearly like a uh they took a cutting off of this movie and then like stuck it in norwegian soul soil or something and created mid have you seen midsummer no but it actually looks um a lot better than this I think you would enjoy it more. Yeah. It's definitely way more fucking intense than this movie. I can't remember the fucking name of it, but two years ago, there was a, I don't even remember what, what network. I think it was an HBO limited series starring um, Jude Law. Mm -hmm. And he shows up on an island and it's basically this movie. Oh. 
but he's just like he's not a cop he's there for vacation and his his like kid died not too far from there so he's like going there to make peace with it yeah but uh but it unfolds in a really <clears throat> i i thought that series was like actually pretty damn decent for the stuff the like the absolute trash that comes out these days mm-hmm. it was pretty good i wish i could remember what that was called but it's uh you know recent jude law series on hbo i think and it was it was cool it it did a lot more than this film did um with kind of tying in uh, aspects of him being important that were more than just a sacrifice uh-huh. <clears throat> and yeah it was fun it was fun and it had more more like scary weird feeling moments and things like that too yeah i think um Yeah, so even even the thing you bring up with like the animal masks, like that's something that's shown up in a bunch of other horror movies. Um, it always works though. Mostly, yeah. This is this is kind of like what you said. It's kind of flat. It's like right. I, I was I same as you. I was like, okay, now you know they're fucking. It's gonna get really strange, right? Not that it isn't supposed because I mean he, there's strange moments in this, but for whatever reason, I don't find them fucking shocking maybe it's because of the life i've lived i don't know like we he goes outside of the pub he's his first night there he goes outside of the pub and like everybody there's a whole field of people fucking like and it's just sort of and he's he doesn't really act shocked he just sort of like i was like mm, mm, well how, things yeah things got blurry too and i'm pretty sure right before that he commented on the food being a funny color oh yeah <clears throat> that's so right think- I think they may have drugged them. Oh, that's oh yeah. You're probably right. Um, but yeah, it, it just like, and I I think it's supposed to be. It's supposed to feel unnerving, but maybe it's just that it's we're in such a different time that that doesn't isn't shocking or like, tra- strange or transgressive really. Okay, this is really interesting because the devils was and the devils was from the same fucking year and oh was it from the exact same year and the same country oh fucking crazy right like yeah that that makes me feel like this is just a bad movie comparatively and people at the time just liked trash hmm (laughs) maybe i well i I don't like because ah fuck they're just they both try to to have a, a creepy religious vibe yeah, in different ways. One of them is like hugely successful and relies on no special effects, hardly at all. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they neither one did really, but like they both they both end with the dude dying in the end and burning alive. Oh yeah, uh, but like one of them's fucking amazing, and the other one's just this movie that feels flat to us and somehow is considered the best the best british horror film of all time and it yeah literally, and it, it literally came out the same year as a better film in it yeah and we we've watched three films on our podcast and uh, one of the other ones was better than this and it came out the same year like, <laughs> that's uh, that's really fucking crazy to think about because this movie like i said this movie's le- like it, it's kind of legendary it's right 
and there's a there's a whole there's a there's even a fucking documentary that's called like british folk actually what the hell is it called i don't remember the name of it but it's all about like quote unquote british folk horror that this is this is the crowning jewel of that genre right and it's the one that everything is in reference and spins around like it is the maypole that everybody else is dancing around you know mm. um uh but for but i yeah i don't I don't think I'm as disappointed as you are, but I, I agree. I'm not blown away. Like I really wanted to really come away and like love this movie because of its reputation. Right. And it's just sort of okay. And I agree with you. The Devils is fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, and it's really funny that there's these parallels of both the fucking main characters getting burnt at the stake, yeah. and burnt alive at the end. Um and being sacrificed one for being um, a christian and one for being a pagan yeah <laughs> and um yeah i don't know so it makes me wonder about because there's other there's other of these like classic movies that are that are these you know pillars through the flow of like cinema history right that I've never seen and that is just talked about and like referenced and um, like I've never seen Citizen Kane. So now I'm like, is will that hold up? Is that going to actually be a good movie if I watch it? Right. Um, often, often they are good movies. Often they are. Like I remember finally watching um, Casablanca. And Casablanca is a legitimately fucking amazing movie. Uh, so this is this is like disappointing in a lot of ways and i'm not i don't think it's a bad movie and i don't i don't hate it but it's just it's forgettable like yeah like the only thing that's memorable about it is that it's directly um in contrast to the nor the christian norms of the era Mm -hmm. and that really pushed people's buttons that bad like i'm amazed because because here's the thing it's not a good it's not a great film it's a decent film but it's not a great film by any means uh is it mostly the folk music is that what's getting well okay i have a lot of mixed feelings about that Uh uh-huh i think that that's actually maybe the only thing that does elevate it for me Uh uh-huh And I actually hated the music. Mm, um, okay. I hated it itself. Like I did not appreciate this watered down seventies like English folk music. I hate. I hate that sound. Uh-huh. Um, it it makes me want to do something destructive just so that I can feel an edge because <laughs> it's so fucking beige. <clears throat> but <clears throat> the way that it blended in and out of like suddenly it's traditional music and then it's back into this 70s garbage um that made it feel weird like if you would have just had two an hour and a half of that and then kids in masks i would have been like this was amazing (laughs) like (laughs) because it i didn't expect it and every time the music happened again i'm just like oh they're they're doing this again (laughs) this is a surprise well, and now you now you understand what I meant when I'm like, this is almost a musical. Yeah, I had no, I. Yeah, me neither. No idea what 
what you even fucking meant by that. I'm just like, no, I'm not a clue. I'm just, I have no idea what Kurt means by this <laughs> musical. Like, do they but sing? It, no. Yeah, not the main characters. Like, yeah, it's not it's not a musical in that sense, but it's like everybody's fucking singing all the time, and it's, um, which I think could have been really amazing. Yeah. Yeah, like I think there there could, if I think well, I think that's probably what you're pay- like if it wasn't if the music that they were singing wasn't of its such of its error era like if it yeah. wasn't so fucking 70s folk music if it just if it wasn't that if it did have like this weirder like especially it's in scotland they're, they're like i don't i don't know i've heard like traditional celtic music it's awesome yeah like they could have they could have gone that route and it would have been it probably would have raised the the bar for this a bit Especially in your eyes, yeah. our ears. Um, but I agree. It's it's like so. I guess they're they're you know pagan return to the land, but they're riding current ditties like for fucking. <laughs> I I don't know. Um, I do want to. I do want to eventually. If I have a kid, I do want to send them to a, a a classroom that talk talks about toadstones. <laughs> I don't know if you that saw was, that. On the... That was that was one of the things that <laughs> I wanted to talk about because, God, their education system was top notch. <laughs> like every single thing the kids are learning is magic. Uh-huh. It's all magic. <laughs> and like, I just thought like, oh, none of those parents, not one of those parents on that island, is ever gonna have to hear their fucking kids say like. Why do I have to do my homework? I'm, when am I going to use this in the real world? Because it's like, you use this shit all the time, bro. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was amazing. It's like there was like a toadstone, and then there was other ones that were all like crone stones. It was all just, just he's erasing all of it. You see, like, like completely oblivious. Like, I don't know. Yeah, and I really like that too, like thinking about like, like this is their normal six hours a day for how many months a year? How much fucking lore do these people have? <laughs> like, holy well, shit. Well, occasionally you got to send them out to dance around the Maypole. That was the other part. That's right. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. As, as a teacher, uh, sometimes it's important to instruct your children to strip naked and walk outside and frolic. It's important that they're having a good time doing it. You have to really make them have a good time. Yeah. Actually, I loved when he walked in and she's like, do we know what the maypole, maypole means? It's a giant phallic symbol. Yeah. A penis. <laughs> it's a penis. Now, am I, am I wrong? But I feel like there's this obsession with like, you know, pagan cultures and this idea of fertility rights which I feel is like kind of bullshit or is overemphasized. Oh, that's, that's, um, that's because all the pagan bullshit started since Christian repression. Mm. So you have all these Christians going like, we want to fuck. What's the easiest way to do that? What about the religion that came before us? <clears throat> I think that's uh. all that is like, like Christian repression chooses, chooses to only see the fertility aspects because 
really that's all that's about is escaping the christian sexual repression like nine times out of ten that sort of rebellion i mean not these days but like at least up until the 90s i think a lot of that christian rebellion was like i mean obviously don't control me don't oppress me and yeah and like all that i guess women wanted to make decisions or something (laughs) but but yeah i think mostly yeah it seems like people just want to fuck and like when there's this like wait you so you mean the guys that came before us they were cool just like whatever <laughs> so that's what it was all about it's just all about fucking it's all yeah. about fucking and having babies that's all yeah like well i think i found my brand <laughs> <laughs> it's funny so basically it's just paganism in that aspect just becomes another extension of christianity more or less yeah just like satanism is is christianity yeah if you're i'm sorry i I don't mean to offend anyone if there are any satanists listening to the show right now you're christians (laughs) (laughs) your entire religion and belief system is based off of a bouncing off of christianity it's not original it's not unique it's a subsidiary (laughs) I'm glad I cleared that up. I'm glad I cleared that up. (laughs) I really wouldn't. I really wouldn't want to get cursed by a Satanist. (laughs) Anyway, making friends. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. that's why we're here. (laughs) Well, I'm sure we're. I'm sure that this take on the Wicker Man will piss somebody off too, because this this thing is so highly lauded. Well, the way I figure it, judging by our analytics, we have 15 listeners on average oh this is definitely gonna quadruple that so like i think we'll at least piss off like a quarter of one of them Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh their arm their right arm my weenus is very upset (laughs) (laughs) oh man also i just want to say a quick like thank you to all of those 15 people you're you're why we're here yeah <laughs> we, love we hope we don't piss you off I, I don't really care i just hope you keep listening yeah yeah listen if we piss you off come back every month every every week get get angrier get emotionally involved and then um keep start a tuning, campaign keep tuning in in hopes <laughs> of our redemption <laughs> And if, and if we upset you, pray for us. <laughs> That's the funny thing. It's like, um, <clears throat> I don't think that, I don't think that social justice people or Christians like ever want anyone to actually come around. <laughs> I think they just want people to be mad at. <laughs> I feel like a lot of the like, the people that I've known who have been in demographics that have been that have put them in situations where they've been like mistreated, abused, or shat upon, generally speaking. <clears throat> Something about that usually puts them above, like they're they're somehow ele- elevated above this like um, justice seeking, crusading, I'm gonna change the world and and if I can't change your hearts, I'm going to burn you alive. Yeah. Yeah. They're not zealots. Right. 
right? There's like just this calm, collected understanding that the world is trying to fuck them. And with that comes this knowledge that exacerbating that doesn't actually like help their situation. <clears throat> that's, mm-hmm. that's just the friends that I've had who have come from places of like, yes, you would have every right to be also social justice but uh, there's something in them that's like a, nah, I'm cool. I'm like, I don't, I don't need any part of that. Yeah, I think it's uh, some of it's an acceptance of imper- in, uh, that you're imperfect hmm. and that other people are imperfect. And there's no, there's no need tr- to try and make everything quote unquote perfect. Well, I just assumed it was more like, uh, yeah, it seems like the loudest person is the one they usually shoot first. <laughs> Which is wise as fuck, to be honest. Hmm. Uh, in a lot of situations, sometimes it's best to just like wait till the time is right to say your piece yeah. until you're in a room of like the right minds that are going to hear it and like it's going to affect them in a positive way and not like make them remember to hate you well i mean i uh, you know i think when changing of minds happens it usually is built off common ground Oh yeah, no one's ever trying to change a mind and, and successfully doing it. Yeah, it, it, there it's like finding well, what what do we overlap, and then not to say that I've done a lot of that. I don't, I don't think, think I'm. I don't think you actually can change minds. <clears throat> I think like, like even with cults, mm-hmm. you have to find people who haven't made up their minds, or you have to disorient them to the point where they no longer know what their mind is. Made mm. up of. It's like that they have to be like kind of floating to be pushed around. Mm. Interesting. And so like actual minds changing is like I was a racist and a black guy saved my life. And then it mm. made me reconsider some things, which is a real fucking thing that yeah. is a story that's that happens. <clears throat> and like that's a relational connection where like that sort of separation membrane is being broken and you're forcing yourself you're being forced to actually connect and then like suddenly they're not just this like effigy for your hate anymore they just they become a human and like once someone actually becomes human to you you can't go back there is actually there's no going back until you can find a good enough reason to dehumanize them again and that's even more difficult i think like to go back again once you've realized you were wrong about dehumanizing in the first place well it's funny because it's basically um it's a form of gnosis right it's it's you have an an actual experience versus a theory yeah yeah and then So you have to you have to change that that fundamentally changes <coughs> your 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 nature your being because you had an unequivocal unequivocable um, experience that's like undeniable like things are just different now. Yeah, see that's that's another thing that really upsets me about this movie because. <clears throat> At first, he saw them all as like these godless pagans, 
Mm -hmm. But then once he figured out that the girl wasn't actually sacrificed and they just wanted to kill him, he should have been, he should have been chill. Like I had you guys all wrong. Mm. You don't kill kids. That's, that's one of those moments. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking joking, but. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, that's one of those times where it's like, yeah, you guys are all right. You're just trying to look out for your crops and your people. You didn't actually kill kill the little girl. Mm. Fuck it, pagans are okay. <laughs> oh, you know God. what? What's that smell? <laughs> you know what? I, I'm I'm willingly walking into that wicker man. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh oh! I'm sorry. Well, I guess you can't be a saint now. <laughs> <laughs> Sucker! Uh. you out of your sainthood. <laughs> That's where social justice gets you, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, actually, that's funny because that would that would ruin their plan, right? Because he's no longer a Christian. He's like, nah, I'm 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 with you guys now. Sacrifice me. I want to remake Wicker Man again and have him just fuck everybody on the island. <laughs> It's just like he shows up and they start tempting him and he's just like, yeah, whatever. <clears throat> and then they do kill the girl. Because <laughs> they, they he, need somebody. He kills her. <laughs> yeah. He kills her. Yeah. You know what? You guys you guys got your shit figured out. <laughs> I don't this makes me wonder if we should have watched the Nicolas Cage one too. But No, I, I thought that halfway through I was like, this is not satisfying enough. Should we have watched both? Well, well, we probably you could probably just we could probably just watch that YouTube clip reel, which apparently, from what I understand, like most of that shit isn't in the actual movie. Like that's all like cut footage, well, that's, supposedly. That's too bad. They should do a uh, fan cut, like a fan that has all of it. Cut. Just him yeah. punching ladies in bear suits or whatever the fuck he does. And like, like no, 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 not no, the piece, no. not the piece. Just that whole thing. Yeah, I actually. I think the best uh, role Nicolas Cage has ever performed was uh, Abed doing Nicolas Cage in Community. <laughs> That's my favorite Nicolas Cage movie. I don't know if I've, I don't remember that. It's yeah, they're in. He's in his like TV 101 class, which is hilarious in and of itself. <laughs> and um, and it's like. Like it, oh, it can't be answered. No, no, no. We don't even like. Oh yeah, I Nicholas Ca- Nicholas Cage, good or bad, and it's yeah. like, and he ends up like Charlie Giff with all the string across the room, and it's like, <laughs> and he gets up to do his presentation, and he just like goes into every Nicholas Cage freakout in a row, and it's yeah. it's fucking wonderful. I love that moment. <laughs> That is such a good show. I I watched that over the whole fucking lockdown, and um, yeah, I because I'm a I'm a fan of Dan Harmon. I'm a fan of him. Like I I discovered him through he had he used to have a part, podcast called Harmontown, which is actually if it's still around, it's totally worth getting into. It's it's done now. I think. Um, <clears throat> I don't think they've revisited it, but um. Uh, so I was a fan of him before ever watching that show, and finally visiting it. It's such a good show. Like, it's a yeah, it's really Wait, hilarious. You and, hadn't watched it until lockdown. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay, that's 
I think if I had to pick like top three favorite sitcoms of all time, mm-hmm. uh, Community would be one of them. Yeah, I mean, it's of that form. That's probably one of the best that's been made. And I, I, I count sitcom as like a live studio audience or that style. Like to me, they're yeah. both they're both situational comedies. Um, yeah. And one of the other ones would definitely be Frasier. Never watched it. Oh my god, that's crazy. Well, I, I mean, I, I th- those types of shows aren't really my thing. I'm I'm not. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I'm not drawn to those. That's fair. I yeah. I have a thing with like like sitcoms are are comfort food. Like, uh-huh. um, my wife and I are watching through Cheers. And uh, I fucking love Cheers. Like I didn't realize how I, that I actually liked the show for in and of itself. I thought that all these years it was actually just like childhood association stuff because it was it was my favorite song when I was a kid, the Cheers theme mm. song. And I would like run out of my bedroom and like poke my head around the couch to listen to it. And then when it was over, <laughs> I'd go back to bed. And um. But it's it's incredibly well written. It's incredibly well acted, and like both Frasier and Cheers, uh, there were some of the same people that worked on both of them. Mm-hmm. And Frasier is a character from Cheers. Mm. So it's Frasier's the most successful spinoff series of all time. Oh, oh, because it came out of Cheers. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because Frasier was just this psychologist who showed up on in the bar. Oh. Um, and it's about two brothers. And I think it's really interesting because like one of the other most successful spin-off shows of all time is Better Call Saul. And it's about two brothers. Oh yeah. Like really interesting. Yeah. But yeah, the, the sitcoms just have a special place in my heart for like this being relaxed and feeling like you're in the living room when you were a child. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's this like I don't actually have to listen to this thing. I just feel like the, the room is warmer with it on, kind of like a, an electric fireplace. <laughs> huh, interesting. Uh, but both of those shows do have special qualities to them. Like, they both feel more like a stage production than any other sitcom on TV that I've ever seen. Mm. Uh, probably that has ever been made. Frasier especially, but both of them, they feel like... They feel like you're watching a play. The jokes, the blocking, the physical comedy, all of it is a play. Mm-hmm. And they literally just wrote a play and then put TV cameras on it. And like, I know he worked on it through the whole run, or at least almost the whole run. But Christopher Lloyd helped create Frasier and helped write the first three seasons really weird yeah fucking doc doc brown is like and and it's amazing when you watch it like you get the because fraser and his brother niles are both psychiatrists so you get this is set in the 90s when like seinfeld and friends and shit like that like friends was a little later but but what you have is this like high-minded educated characters Mm-hmm. make a, a lot of references to things that the layperson like wouldn't even get yeah uh, at that time especially so when you go back now these shows like they both still hold up definitely more Frasier because there's a lot more intellectualism in it 
Um, <clears throat> but it's actually really fucking impressive how well it holds up. Uh, I don't know why we're still talking about Frasier. That's all. <laughs> but like, fucking love that show. <laughs> it's so, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so Community is yeah. amazing. And <laughs> I, I don't know how the hell, how the hell did you hear about Dan Harmon before oh that's a good like, question were you just a podcast hound yeah i mean i i'm i'm uh it's funny because <clears throat> i've been uh i probably have been listening to podcasts for almost like a decade or something i don't know how long but um like for instance uh and i figured this out um uh, you know joe rogan joe rogan experience I have been listening to that show since its third episode. Oh, well, that's problematic. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, before that, it was, um, I listened to the entire run of This American Life. Mm. Um, I loved that show when I could stomach NPR. Yeah, it, it used to be really great. And then it's sort of, they kind of do this. They, they sort of, something... I think that one just became so like depressing after a while. Like it was, I just started to call it this American sad cast. Cause like every fucking story was this like horrible, like dealing with some sad death or something. And I was like, I was like, after a while, I was like, I don't, why am I still listening to this? Um, uh, so I, and then I was there at the beginning of uh, Mark Maron's what the fuck. I was listening to that from the very beginning. And I don't know how I fucking found Harmontown. I think he might have been interviewed on something else. Maybe on like Duncan Trussell's podcast or something. I'm not sure. I forgot all about what the fuck. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Well, I lost interest. There's something about when he's when he became like well to do and like accepted by the establishment and like after he interviewed Obama and then like all he ever talked to were fucking actors. Oh, really? And I just stopped giving a shit. It's like, I don't, this is not that interesting. This is like any, this is like any other media that's been around on television that's for crazy. decades, right? I really liked, I really, really liked his comedy special he did on Netflix a few years back, like when Trump was still around. Uh-huh. Um, he's just so laid back and old, like, I'm an old dude. I'm just doing this because i talked to people <clears throat> that was great but it's really sad to hear the, the podcast gone that direction it's like yeah i mean i started that show to avoid killing himself yeah and, that, and yeah. that's why it was fucking good yeah there was a charge to it and i think i think when he was when he was talking to other comedians and like he was also sort of apologizing to people as he talked to them there was something like very there was something charged and unique about that. It was very raw. And then something, I don't know, like I just, I started to check out of it like a couple years ago before the pandemic and everything, because it just like, I, I was like, I'm not finding this. And he's interviewing like big name people, but I does, I just don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck about the latest Marvel actor. I don't give a shit what they think about anything. <laughs> well, that's the thing is I don't think Mark Maron does either. I mean, he I shouldn't. I don't know what happened, but the dude that started that podcast mm -hmm. was like uh, greasy and had his feet in the gr 
ground and was like yeah. grappling at life trying to find something to hold on to and that's like this real struggle <clears throat> that i think kind of turns anyone into a little bit of a mystic yeah <clears throat> whether they yeah, for sure. or not like like even if they don't talk about spirituality or mysticism at all it still makes them this like weird seeking mode kind of person and i guess and he's yeah, he's kind of when you when you fucking like you and you make it to like celebrities around my show level uh-huh you've lost that because celebrities aren't interesting and if you are agreeing to them being on your show then like you have lost touch with what's interesting yeah i mean the thing is is, is is there's probably some celebrities that i think could be interesting to talk to like if, sure 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 you know but they're they're kind of rare Sure, but, I I don't mean to like squeeze out any potential guests that are in the medium <laughs> bracket right now, thinking, oh, they don't think we're a celebrity. Well, we're not. Yeah, yeah, you're all famous to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, no. So what I kind of mean is like, uh, and they wouldn't necessarily be a celebrity to everybody. Like if if I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with like Nick Cave, Ooh. or um, or Tom Waits, like they're they're big celebrities to me. Oh, I don't want to talk to Tom Waits. I just want to drink with Tom Waits. <laughs> but like thirty think, years, thirty years ago. I, I think I think I think it's I think you don't actually talk. I think you experienced Tom Waits. I don't think you talked to Tom Waits. <laughs> I think I think I think we could hang out. <clears throat> I think he'd be annoyed by me because yeah, I'm like young and still got like younger than him and still have like this like. I want to grind up against shit and he's like a little bit more laid back these days but man i dig his vibe like that's the whole thing yeah yeah i'd i'd, I'd love to interview him i you'd get like 17 of the coolest jokes you've never heard <laughs> and would learn absolutely nothing about him yeah that's the trick yeah he's like he's like salvador dali in that way like never breaking character yeah did you ever see that um what's it what's his face the guy that does like prints of bullshit pop art wait no what there's so many people that that could be the like number one pop art guy i'm just terrible with oh um the guy that does like the dog hedges or whatever no, like the, the first dude that was just like, let me just print this fucking label from a can over and over. Oh, Andy Warhol? Thank you. Oh, okay. Warhol did like a a series of like video. Uh, what, I don't know what the fuck you'd call it, but he just like had people sit in front of the camera and leave it on them. Oh, for hours. Right. Yeah, there's a famous one of like the Twin Towers. It's like, it's like six hours long and then like an hour three three hours and 30 minutes in like a plane goes by and it's like oh my god yeah it's just, just... <laughs> they pick pick the wrong day huh yeah uh, yeah <laughs> Ooh. um uh, yeah no it um no what was your point about him though oh warhol put did that thing with the camera stuff he did one with um with dolly have you ever seen that no no, I haven't. It's like five hours long, I think. And huh. Dali does not break characters the whole fucking time. He just looks into the camera and just kind of like blinks. 
He does his little face twitches and like twists his mustache. And that's it? And he just fucking sits there and he's like, I am this. I am this. Fuck you. I am still this. I'm going to keep I'm going to keep being this no matter how much film you have. Hmm. Um, I went to the Dolly Museum in Tampa. Yeah. And they had that playing and I sat there and watched it for like an hour and a half. Oh my god. <laughs> just like I just kept waiting for him to do something and it just yeah. never happened. And then like I went and read the thing and it's like yeah, he never did anything. <laughs> like spoiler. <laughs> he never did anything. <clears throat> he was just that committed to the role. And I kind of feel like that's American culture. <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> Just, just choose. Of, yeah, just just pick a role that feels okay and just really commit to it because you're never gonna figure out who you are. That's hard. <laughs> Give up. I think I I actually really like Dolly. I like uh I think he's done he did some of the best Christian art I think it's ever been made. Honestly. I'm really sorry. Can we pick you're back really... up in a second? Oh <clears throat> I gotta pee. Oh, okay. But I'd love to talk about Dolly religious art. Okay. Sorry. I also have his tarot. What? I have his tarot. I was gifted that by my wife. Oh, save it. Let's it's talk a... about it. Yeah. god i hate that so much when like <clears throat> you're like oh i have to pee but it's it's not like <clears throat> it's not like that bad i mean i'll just i'll just like wait and then <clears throat> slowly it gets unbearable 25 percent of your existence becomes Is... dedicated to like not <laughs> holding your bladder yeah and then 25 percent of your existence in addition to that becomes dedicated to like ignoring that you're trying not to piss <laughs> and then 25 more percent goes to pretending you're fully present to keep listening and then yeah you're just not even fucking like i'm not even really here anymore and it's like i just gotta pee i, just gotta pee. I mean I, I i you'll have to listen on the playback but like i also got up to use the bathroom and i I accidentally like I left the door open while I was peeing, so I'm wondering if the <laughs> mic picked it up, which would be perfect, I think, for this. 
<laughs> the agitator boys pee on Mike like all the time. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> like, they're like still in the middle of a sentence, and it's just like force <laughs> and like the echo of a bathroom with not. Uh. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's special i think there's something <laughs> to that though like shit again back to that like everything's so polished it's like i think it's cool to hear the real experience mm. I, I would rather hear people like fuck up than a perfect production because we live in a world of like too many perfect productions that are like so perfect they don't you can't feel anything from them anymore mm-hmm. yeah I mean, are, are we are we failing ourselves by getting these really nice mics and being more, <laughs> no. more intelligible? <laughs> no, I think if you're gonna say absolute bullshit, it's really important that people hear you clearly. <laughs> you get every nuance of us talking complete nonsense. Yeah, I was t- I was telling you, and and I was like, I gotta say this for when we're actually recording. The the getting this microphone is so dangerous because all i want to do is record myself doing stupid voices and making noises and i'm like oh man we're just gonna descend on the planet cornball real fast that's that's literally like it's so fun to hear you having that experience at like whatever age you are uh-huh. because like that was me with a talk boy in my teeth <laughs> Like after seeing Home Alone 2 and being like that, that's what I fucking need in my life. And then like everything in the world was just about playing with audio for a long time for me. And so it's so fun to see you just like, wait, I'm like that that moment when you're like, wait, I can I can just say a thing. It says the thing back to me that I say. So oh my god, I could do anything. <laughs> It really is. It's very, it's very childlike. It's like, oh my god, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. It's like I have to try really hard not to let this, let myself get run, you know, run away with this because it's, yeah, yeah. That's okay. So if you have, uh, let's say you had a 20 channel mixer and 15 badass musical instruments that are just like weird and obscure sitting around your room, and they're all plugged into that at the same time, <laughs> and, and you have this computer, like that childlike wonder is is how the good music always gets made in my opinion mm. like all the best stuff is like this holy shit what if i did this fucking thing right here oh this is so stupid and then, <laughs> and then it's timeless like it's it's timeless art because you are willing to be a child fucking around it's just, oh it's where it all happens well see now now you make me want to actually try that because I have no, that's the other thing is like, as far as like music and audio, I have no expectations of myself. Yeah. It's like, I'll, I'll just make whatever. I don't give a fuck. It'll be terrible. Who, who cares? That's, um, why, that's why I recommend an MPC. Like if you try to do that on like um, an audio editing program, it's annoying. Mm. Um, you're like, well, let me think of what I'm going to play. And then I'll hit record and then I'll play it right over trap this other track just right the way that i decided it's going to be played but if you have a sampler like an mpc sampler with buttons you can just like improv record some shit you heard on the street that day yeah like record stuff with a field recorder and plug it in and you find a spot you like and then you edit it so that only that spot exists Mm. And and then you're like you can make a beat out of that and then take 
some random other sounds you have and chop them up and like <clears throat> but it's it's a more fluid experience when you have the buttons and like to, to tactically like press them and you can like kind of spread everything out so like one sample will spread out on eight buttons and then you mm. can like choose which sections of it you want but it always but it like maps it to the beat for you there's just all these fun ways of like you can kind of fake it with an npc and as long as you have a beat going if you just play with it for like a little while you kind of figure out what works and that's that's why like like i know a lot of people will will hate me for this but like like electronic music is easy <laughs> it's fucking easy like if you've ever tried to play a trumpet electronic music is fucking easy yeah or a violin or, oh i or ever tried to like arrange a band and deal with human beings you have to tell what to do and deal with their egos and yeah their... electronic music is easy i it's funny you're saying that because um and you bring up like a violin because there was a class I took in my in my college that was just a total elective, which was which was a music class where they you picked you could pick between a what is it a viola a violin a cello and something else. So I or in, uh, and I picked a cello, and like I had played a bass a little bit. I had owned one, but like those actual classical instruments are at a whole other level because you don't have the frets even to like it's like all sound and feel like that's the only way you know where the notes are and i, love, I was I love bad idea. at that <laughs> <laughs> to be honest i don't know how anybody's good at front listening mm. that's just fucking crazy to me as a guitarist <clears throat> who sometimes plays keys You're very quiet right now. As someone that that plays like stringed instruments with frets, that shit's yeah. insane. It's I mean it's absolutely fucking insane. Yeah. Have you have you ever been um have you ever been in a room with like an actual trained opera singer? Not like I haven't like heard one perform. Okay. I've, I've heard one someone who was trained for opera kind of just fuck around when they were drunk okay and that was like i was in tears mm. no i i uh i was uh there's this woman i was seeing briefly um uh and her friend happened to be like a trained opera singer and she had like this little mini birthday party and her friend sung in the room and i could not believe the capacity this woman had with her voice like the way it like carried and filled the room was insane um and i just like yeah and um i i've never there's a there's a yeah no, it there's a lot of stuff that's sort of lost or is getting lost because it's this old yeah these old classical things that i don't know I'm not will, sure what I'm trying to say with it, but it's just it's just really there's a presence to it that's that's because they're not they had to figure this out before there was like microphones and amplifiers or any of this other shit. They had to like project to an entire opera house. 
and sure the building's designed to, to, to enhance their voice, but still, um, that's just sort of amazing. These capacities that people have. My dad knew somebody that took opera lessons from like a world renowned professional that had basically retired. And she lived in my like Gulf coast tourist town in Florida. Hmm. Um, so like my dad's business partner started taking vocal lessons from this this world famous opera trainer who just kind of did it on the side in the retirement and she knew if she had a stressful week she knew if she had smoked a cigarette oh wow <clears throat> she knew if she'd had sex for real yeah hmm like, ah, oh, you're repressed this week. Oh, you're this. Damn. Like, yeah. Like I mean, she was that tuned in to like the quality of this woman's voice. Yeah, it's, it really, it really, <clears throat> it goes along with that whole like, what, no matter what field you're in, if you get to the top of it, you are by default a mystic. Mm. Like yeah. you can't, you can't help it. When you, when you become that attuned to any craft, it becomes magical. Yeah. Except possibly the computer sciences. <laughs> Finances. Can't even. No, <laughs> no I. Oh, uh, well, no, no. You per- yeah, become you, a, a actual satanic prophet. You just become Martin Armstrong. <laughs> so, so, yes. Oh, yeah. I guess it's true. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's really fa- there's a uh, there's a famous painter named Andrew Wyeth that um, he would do portrait. He's a Christina's World is his famous painting that's that's in the MoMA, but he would do these uh, really detailed, elaborate uh, portraits of people. But it was a similar thing; like you could pick up things about them day to day as they're sitting. And my actually, my art teachers talked about this. Like if he, like if he's, um, um, like he could tell when a woman was about to, like if he's painting a woman nude, like he could tell when that model was about to go into menstruation because based on like slight changes in their body shape, like it's just it's just like We're like really focused. Big. Yeah, I know. Um, really, just this crazy like awareness that develops due to your focus. Um, yeah, the unfolding of reality in front of you. I almost feel like there's <clears throat> like a trend towards getting rid of all those people mm. from the world. Like they're, I feel like it's almost an intentional obsolescence that's happening for the trade skills and the arts. There's this like, what practical purpose do you do you really serve? What's what's mm. your actual function? Like architecture, architecture is dying because who the fuck cares? It's all about money. Mm-hmm. No one cares. Like architects have to be magicians and that they have to convince people of their relevance. Mm. Um, they have to like. Yeah, there's 
we live in a world where you can become famous by lip syncing and wearing the right clothes and makeup. Like you can you can just be pretty and lip sync and be charismatic. And that's like people will look up to you and infer that you have confidence and skill uh, and all these things. Like we live in a time where the real merit is just as difficult maybe to recognize as it is for to recognize spirits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's, um, I think part of it is that attention and, um, yeah, I would say mostly attention is so chopped up because a lot of this stuff um, becomes about being very still, still, like still as in static and like just paying attention and, and spending a lot of time on like one thing. And um, that is the opposite of how a lot of, at least culture in the U.S. is is just about like rapid onslaught of just one thing after another after another after another and the thing you're talking about specifically like is like tiktok and shit like that where it's just it's literally i remember when my my wife has it and so she's always there's always she always does like a little presentation of like these are the tiktoks i like and i remember like watching her go through it and i'm like this is just flipping tv channels this is that act of where you couldn't settle on anything to actually watch so you would just jump from channel to channel for like four seconds before you would jump to something else and it's like that that became its own type of media this really like yeah like rapid two second thing um that's not to say that there's not some interesting things on there like everything has the possibility to, to carry stuff that's better than what it is, but yeah, but that doesn't change the fact that TikTok is the sound of your life ticking by. <laughs> like that's what it is. It's like you flip through the channels, you never get a full story. Yeah. And like stories, stories are where wisdom lives. Mm-hmm. And where like like these these uh, these bases for common crowds fun. Like we can listen to the same story and we can talk about it and we didn't have to live through the same experience, but we can be like closer friends because we simulated that experience together through the story. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> encouraging people to like not take in a full story. What is that? That's that's how we understand divinity and like that's until 500 or so years ago that was always through story it was always like Mm -hmm. understanding higher power and truth through the act of storytelling and through narrative but like we live in a time now where it's like almost storytelling is it's almost obsolete unless it's something you can rely on. Like people only want the same stories that they know. They want Star Wars and Marvel and they want, um, you know, 
crime drama where they, they go a little bad and then there's some redemption. There's just like this these cookie cutter things. And like if it doesn't work out to be one of the things people already have in their mind, then it's like, I don't want this. <clears throat> but like I think it's moving even away from the homogenization story into this realm of we don't even complete the story. You don't even need a complete story. And that there might be some elements to that. Like in, in some ways, that's a, that's a cool idea. In the right context, I think that could be a cool thing to explore. But when that is a trend that's just kind of seeping in to the wider consciousness and we're, we're just kind of, we're kind of getting to this point where we can't even listen to a whole story and we prefer these snippets of commercial Mm. Um, they don't actually mean anything there's like what what you're getting with tiktok is you're getting the trope and then you move on Mm -hmm. it's if, if everything's boiled down then it's boiled down to those moments like it's not boiled down to the moment where the the camera pans off into the the wilderness for a minute like in a Herzog shot where it's just like here's some water for fucking two and a half minutes it doesn't do that right Mm -hmm. it chooses the moments of intensity and of uh, crux or a punchline or whatever and it removes the context it's like here's your um, yeah I don't have a good analogy <laughs> but it, it just seems so far removed from anything that matters. <clears throat> like some of my favorite stories are are where you get boring shit for most of it. Boring and torturous. And then there's like one moment of redemption. Because there's something about like committing to that long stretch of like being uncomfortable in your seat and like why am I even still watching this? Mm-hmm. What's even happening? And then something happens. Like that feels fucking good. But how do you get that if you're only ever seeing the moment at the end where the thing happens? Or yeah, it's just like that that buildup is the part that I often treasure. And TikTok is the death of that. TikTok is like the we are committing to like we don't we don't need the fibrous membranes that hold a story together. And, um, and that would be okay. Like I said, I think it would be a cool thing if it were something we were trying on the side. Uh-huh. But we're, we're not. It's, it's the mainstream evolution of story is that it's, it's breaking down into just random bits And that, that becoming the standard means that like people won't relate to full stories anymore. Um, I think in the long run, if it, if it keeps going or something, like pe- people won't be able to like sit through a whole thing, and it won't matter to them. It's not they they, they don't in- invest. So it's not. It's like I don't want this. I don't I don't care enough to see this through. Um, and it's arguable that that could never happen because we're we're human and we actually need those stories. But I think. As long as you only provide the moments of drama um, mm-hmm. and you have that as a service where you can just only access those and not be in between bits, then people will. 
because it's like mice will kill themselves if they're offered an unlimited supply of cocaine. Mm. And it's the same thing because people do that with cocaine too. <laughs> so, <coughs> oh, I think there's a there's a aspect of that supposedly with those studies with like the mice and the cocaine. Like, if you give them a drab environment and access to that, they will kill themselves. But if you give them a very stimulating, like, more natural environment, and then give them that option, they won't they won't overdo it. What? makes perfect sense yeah makes perfect sense i I can't personally attest to that because i never did cocaine when i was in a good environment (laughs) i can't actually i think that's the thing with cocaine is you actually can't find cocaine in a good environment (laughs) like you get some coke on you of course you do this is a terrible place to be It only creates horror and misery. <laughs> Wall Street, strip clubs, mm. weddings, <laughs> funerals, yeah. Consumieras. No, I don't I don't I, it just seems weird. That is that is interesting. I mean you go like the mountains of Peru and you can chew some coca leaves, but you're not gonna find any cocaine. Mm. Probably. I don't actually know. If there is, it's on planes. It's it's funny what you mentioned about um about that in incapacity to, to watch to like accept longer drawn out narratives because I have a hard time getting my wife to just like sit down and watch a movie. She like she never wants to. Cause it's it to her it's always like this big commitment or something. Whereas, like, I've watched so many movies in my life, and it's been, I'm like, what? It, you're acting like we're about to hike a mountain or something. I don't understand. Like, why, why is this so? Oh, God, it's just such a commitment, Kurt. Yeah, I'm like, what? It's, it's like 90 fucking minutes. Yeah. It's that's a like, weird thing. That's like seven episodes of Stranger Things. <laughs> Or 20 episodes of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> oh, I was, I was going to say, because uh, we were talking about the sitcoms earlier, I have actually, um, you bring up Friends, I have proudly never seen a single episode of Friends. God bless you. Uh, same with um, The Office. I've never seen a single fucking episode of The Office. Oh. I actually like The Office. It, I, I'm resistant to it now because it's such a thing. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and, and like at this point, I'm like, I don't, I don't. If I never see it, I'm, I'll be happy. I think. There's like room for other things. You're actually not missing out on anything. I mean, you're, you're perfectly enriched as a human being right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's The Office. Who cares? <laughs> It's a great show to have on in the background when you're depressed. And if you're not depressed, then you don't need it. <laughs> That's how I feel about the office. I, I, I think, uh, I think, well, they the the thing they made after it, Parks and Rec. I like that one. Parks and Rec is fantastic. Yeah. I I would go to that over that show. Yeah. Because because 
because that show said, oh, okay, I get what you're doing here with this Americanized version of The Office, right? Where you, where you make most of the characters cringe, if not all of them, in their own way. But then you, you make, you, you also force the audience to like all of them and care about all of them. And then Parks and Rec went, yeah, we don't need to fuck with our audience. Mm-hmm. We're just going to make likable characters that are kind to one another and who have difficulties, but are fucking hilarious in and of themselves as actors and characters and comedians. And that show fucking rocked like the whole time. Like it was always good. And it's overwhelmingly positive. That's the other thing. Oh, except for the first season. The first season wasn't that good. And because the first season, they're trying to feel like The Office and they make Andy feel depressing and they put, they they had douchebag in the show. I don't know that guy's real or character name, but like- No one does. No, he shows up in other shows too. And then I turn those other shows off. Like immediately, I'm just like, oh, you're actually the red flag that lets me know this show is not great. You know, what's funny is uh, when I finally did watch it, I just skipped to the second season because I had heard of this. (laughs) And and as such, I have never seen the first season of Parks and Rec. I just watch it from from season two on. It's literally like the office, like the British office, but like it's... Like the British office is like, it's so depressing. It's funny. Yeah. The British office is brutal. It's horrible, but yeah. it's so horrible that you can't help but laugh. Yeah. And, and then the first season of uh, like Parks and Rec was trying to be somewhere in between American office and British office. And it just was like, this doesn't you know you have to choose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that it, it's funny. It brings it. There's this, I like, I think to be American is inherently like at a mythic level, you can't be that cynical. Even though it engenders a lot of cynicism, like I'm very cynical about this country. I think mythically at its core, it's very like there's this unrepentant hopefulness that that is being an American that's like um like I think I was I was telling to, saying some, to someone that um, being an American is being swallowed by a dragon and punching it in the nose, and saying this can still work out. Like that's <laughs> that's, that's that's the fucking yeah. It's just this like terminal optimism. <laughs> well, and I think I think that's kind of what the that's what Parks and Rec is sort of connecting to is this just this like insane optimism uh which is i which is yeah that could get broken down a lot though like because yeah depending on who that optimism is coming from it's like a totally different thing like you get like 50 style white man optimism of like we're always going to be in the nicer houses than the minorities Mm -hmm. and then you get like the the optimism that i actually believe is the spirit of the country itself and that's what i mean okay okay cool cool yeah good 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 to touch on that but like yeah the the spirit of the country itself it started with like 
we're Protestants and don't want to die. Mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> the spirit was like, we're Native Americans and we don't want to die. And then he went to like, we're slaves and we don't want to die. And I think the whole time, the actual spirit of the country is the people on the lowest rung. Always. Yeah. It's, it's the ones that are like, we're fucked, but we believe. In yeah. And, and that's like always changing. Um, you know, it was white people for like five minutes. But, um, but it's always kind of shifting around. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, but that, that, that does seem to be the spirit of it. And, and oddly enough, it's almost like, it's weird because that spirit is so contrary to the masses, it seems. Mm-hmm. That there's, and the government. So there's there's something weird going on there where, the spirit that wanted the country to continue was actually in contrast and in spite of whoever's in charge at any given time. There's some like rebel yeah. spirit spirit thing going on there at the core. Because like yeah. without that, it would have just become like, I don't know, Scandinavia. Like if, if everyone was just like white, rich, and happy, it would just be it would just be Denmark. <laughs> Uh, and there wouldn't be like this spirit of constant uh upheaval and renovation and evolution and like uh, we can do better and we can survive and like we can it's just fucking weird because i feel like we're in a time where that's all been astroturfed Mm -hmm. and so like that spirit has been uh, commoditized and now it's going to actually change again in a dramatic way. Like it, it might, it might actually die like, or move on to some other land or not be there, but it, but it might also just evolve into being something really weird and different than it's been. But I think that that is an, that, that takes an effect on it. Like when there's this driving spirit of revolution in one way or another, of, yeah. um, of rising up of the disenfranchised, and then suddenly, like that gets taken and turned into some plastic advertisement of itself. There's like a an astroturfing going on. Then, what does that spirit do? It has to do with like. A business does when the market changes, they have to pivot. <laughs> the spirit has to do a pivot. Like Tonansen, when she chose to become Guadalupe to keep all of her followers and to, to this day, have more visitors than the Vatican. Like that, uh, that, that goddess would have been forgotten had she mm. not converted. Or not forgotten, but like not, not worldwide fucking venerated. Mm. Um, there's something about that. So it's like now that the spirit has been of, of that like revolution, America, freedom, 
the bottom will rise up no matter who's at the bottom. Um, yeah, what does it do now that it's been marketed and like turned into a, a product of itself or replaced with a product of itself? What, is, what, would it, what does it do? I guess like another civil war. I mean, I think it's just it. There's gonna be. I want to say a rejection, um, but more like that. That plastic, empty copy will eventually crumble because there's nothing inside of it for real. And I think. Honestly, I think we're kind of in the beginning of that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's the reason I had said that originally is because I. The, what made me realize it is that I had um, there's a friend I had who was a. He was like a crust punk kid from Scotland, actually, and uh, had like hop trains and done all this stuff like traveled the whole country and he talked about where he was from you know the uk um and he's like people there's like a pessimism there because the the idea of class is just so rigid and he's like they it's like there there's there's a flip side to it because there's solidarity and everybody being of their own class. Like, so they all fight together in that way. But then there's this other thing, which is like, they're just stuck. And there's no concept of that ever changing. And he's like, that's what I actually like about the U S that's what I like about being in this country is that there's this there, you can, it's not, they're, they're making it harder and harder. Um, but you can change your station, right? You don't have to, you don't have to be stuck forever as one thing. Um, yeah, like there's, there's nothing stopping you if, like if you can do it, but yeah. like, like if you can't get a job, <clears throat> or into a good school or whatever because of like your situation, then that's kind of like, it's kind of the same thing as being totally closed off to you. Like, it kind of is that. Like, you grow up in like an inner city school and your mom's a heroin addict and like you have to do some shady shit to get by and you get in a little trouble when you're younger. It's like, what if you have like a, a fan, like a couple siblings you gotta take care of too? It's just like, <clears throat> how you gonna? Anybody gets sick, you gotta pay for it. There's just no way to actually get ahead, unless you're one of those stories of like, you fucking shot up from the gutter to the stars, and those are so few and far between. It's just that the romanticism of those stories, like they get into every one of us and we believe that it can happen to us. But statistically speaking, it's not going to. And uh, I think 
I think there's something like it's interesting to me here in here in Denmark. There's <clears throat> like if if you try to hoard wealth, mm-hmm. they tax it so severely that like it's not worth it. Mm. Like you can have a certain amount stashed away, but like you get to a certain point and these sort of socialist things kick in and you end up like paying more than it's worth in a lot of cases. So you're like encouraged to keep spending it. And because of that, the like, the size of house might be a little different and the neighborhood might be different, but everybody gets to shop still for fun. And like, but the workers have their own unions and trade skills are highly respected. And all that's that's fascinating to me that these things are like still in place even though they're very modernized. Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't get that sort of like like my wife's um, uncle is a he does glass stuff like windows and whatnot, but his title is like a master glassman, and he's part of the union and all those workers are like super tight knit and they can stand up for each other and each other's rights and they all live in sort of the same like neighborhoods and there's this real solidarity there that doesn't also make them feel bad about themselves for not being rich Mm -hmm. because they like have just about as many options it's just like the size of their house that's different. That's basically it. And maybe the, the like brand of their car, that kind of thing. So there's like these very small differences here. And I, I think that's really interesting that the, the, psycholog- the psychological difference is that the workers don't feel like they need to, like they're not like dying to get rich. They're like proud to be craftsmen and tradesmen. And they kind of look down on the people that hoard money or have mm. fancy jobs. And they're like, no, we don't need that shit. And that's, that's a really interesting thing to me. It's like, you don't see that in the States because the people in the States are miserable doing those jobs because they're underappreciated and underpaid and underrepresented. Right? Yes, to a degree. Because like mm. some of them... You know, it's like we have we've had a uh, proliferation of like bullshit service jobs. Like, like hasn't I think that's the thing that's grown the most in the in the last couple of years has been stuff like I don't know, working at like coffee shops and you know, Uber driving and stuff like that, which is uh, which is fine, but it's because like what you're talking about is like like skilled like you like there's pride in that because there's also it's complicated and there's there's things you have to learn and understand about what you're doing um whereas we like the 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 worst part of what like specifically corporate america seems to produce is the like let's make let's make this job as idiot proof as possible and by doing that it's like anybody can do it so therefore it's not very interesting 
Um, and it's sort of like, it feels like it's the steps towards automating everything. <laughs> yeah, um, probably is. Yeah. I don't know. At the, at the same time, I think. You know, I, I it's like how much of just random gigas and boring junk do people still want? Because I think I feel like that's maybe where things are heading is to towards much more. You know, we talk about like hyper local. Um, I mean, we even talk about it in relation to like magical practice. And I know, for instance, you're talking about like really discovering the plants that surround you and and basically stitching yourself deeper into the environment that you're living. And um, I think I think that's where maybe the hope is. Uh, maybe not just here, maybe everywhere is that is that it's that rediscovery of what's like right around you and what makes it makes the place right around you unique and special. Um, it's interesting you bring this up. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> because I just listened to the most recent episode of Rune Soup that had Jenks on it. Peter mm -hmm. Jenks. Peter Jenks. Um, who does who lives in Thailand and studies with uh, Thai uh, magicians and sorcerers. And him and him and Gordon White talking about the years 2024 to 2027. Um, you know, and it's it's nothing I didn't know, with the exception of like that the Thai Ajahn also concur with the rest of the world uh, that between those years everyone the, the, the consciousness of everyone on the planet gets like defocused and destabilized somehow mm -hmm. <clears throat> like everyone gets unrooted uh, un unrooted from their sense of reality and place and, and what keeps them kind of grounded and what Peter Jenks brought up was a really interesting point about, um, he thinks it's just the internet. <clears throat> like, like there may be World War III going on too. I think it's actually Gordon who, th who says that. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it's Gordon who says that. But, um, but that's, that makes so much sense because it's like this, this place you go to connect to the people you, you really feel connected to. And I think so many people have slipped into that through the pandemic bullshit mm -hmm. that like now we're now we're dependent on that for our sense of reality for the for the people that aren't local for the things that aren't local and we'd already been doing that for a long time through products and through uh, various materia of life <clears throat> but like you were saying like that's something I, I've really been that's my goal for this year. By 2023, I want to I want to have solid replacements for everything in my magical practice that I outsource, like frankincense and myrrh and <laughs> sage and like what the fuck ever. Uh, I'm only 
going i like 2023 starts i want to only be using stuff that i get or at least have the have the ability and have the the confidence that i can go out to the yard or i can at least go like a few miles from the house and find a plant that i can form a relationship with on a one-on-one basis that i can bring offerings to that i can grow on the property and, and actually have that kind of relationship with too um a cultivation relationship if it if it wants that with me that i can take and offer to all the spirits that i've been working with all along and replace those other things with relationships that are that are active and live and will have more kick to them because of that because like when you awaken the materia and you ask the materia to like participate in the work that you're doing and you beam some gratitude towards that plant spirit, you get so much more out of everything. Um, arguably, it's possible you don't get anything out of it if you don't, don't, don't do that. Um, well, that's not like conclusively provable or anything. It's possible that you could like totally botch something because you didn't connect to the material. So like if you're already woven into the land and place, then, then you're golden. But what's going to happen when people who don't even think spirits are real suddenly have to worry about their food and water? And currency isn't worth anything. Um, because those days are coming. Probably not for all of us, but for some of us, definitely. And <sighs> what are those people going to do? Like, if you don't have a framework for if you haven't faced death in a ceremony or on a mushroom trip and it's knocking at your door, you're going to make some bad fucking decisions and I don't want to be your neighbor. And those of us that have been doing this shit for as long as we had the ability or the know-how or the cognizance to when the internet shuts down, we're going to miss our friends and our family. But we're not going to lose our heads. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, we know that we've lived before. That we, we didn't start to exist when we were born. And, or conceived. And that we won't cease to exist when we die. So there's a different kind of there's a different kind of life that some of us are living. And I I think the main thing I'm afraid of is how how that's gonna clash and like how much patience and how much understanding and, and compassion we're gonna have to have, but also like even more so like how how to know when to put your foot down when, when people are freaking the fuck out. Like if people lose that sense of rootedness and like suddenly all you have to connect to are the people around you and you think they're all idiots like the attitude is everything when it comes to being able to survive under unusual circumstances of any kind how did i get on this fucking rant help me i i don't know but uh i I, it also is I, i think it might be you might be a you might be being a little bit more bleak the necessary because i the thing is is like and it's always interesting because the 
the internet like propagates its own importance because we we live for millions of years with fuck without it this thing has only been around for not what 20 years maybe so there's a long time before it and there there'll be a long time after it uh, but it's just it's really interesting that we can't see past or around it um mm. it's become such it's become so interwoven and prominent in society and culture uh but you know we have a long history of of living fine without the fucking thing so well yeah i, I, I mean and i think we'll figure it out i don't mean to say yeah. that we're fucked like mm-hmm. i i think i think if we went without the internet for for a while i think a lot of people would lose their minds temporarily yeah to be clear that's that's what i'm saying i think those times are going to be very very interesting but if they happen but i think that that the possibilities there because as time goes by and physical isolation became such a thing for so long Mm -hmm. it doesn't take that long for us to adapt and like change our frameworks like however long it takes someone to like be adopted into a cult or a religion or whatever um that's how long it takes you know it takes less time for you to just kind of switch from oh i just see people in this thing now um oh i just identify with the people who share my opinions inside this box now and like um like i I check here for the opinions of the people that i care about and all those kinds of things and a lot of people i think you can find any opinion out there so you can kind of find something that resonates with you and then just follow that person and like sometimes that's easy to do instead of continuing to formulate your own opinions so i think it's a very acute problem that's only for now and if we got the internet shut off i think people would lose their shit for a year or two and then they'd start to kind of be like oh fuck i gotta Oh, I gotta do something else with my life. Um, which would amount to basically like talking to people and, and tolerating opinions that were different for the sake of getting along, right? Which is something I think the internet is enabling us to forget. Yeah, I think that's there's definitely a component of that where you... And that's probably why things have, have gotten so tense and people at each other's throat because they they can do this they don't have to they don't have to uh they don't have to do with the conflict of people that don't think like them which if you're (laughs) at the same time that's always been a thing too like trying to find your own tribe within within a larger culture uh but yeah if you're very if it's very localized you're gonna have to deal with people that you don't agree with (laughs) likely you know yeah Well, and that's that's also interesting too because there was a time where that wasn't a thing. Yeah. So much like like your opinions couldn't drastically different be, be that different. Like it would be. Oh, maybe I think you grind corn in a fucked up way, you <laughs> asshole. But uh, we believe in the same deities. Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's really interesting to think how you can you're gonna have a complete different universe you can live in a totally different world than the person sitting next to you and like carry on a conversation 
Whereas like that just didn't happen that much in the ancient world. Uh, it happened, sure, but but not to the the degree um, or the extent. Because then you also have like the internet, and we're bumping into each other online all the time. Uh, just like further further radicalizing each other. Well, what's funny is that is that so much of that is just voluntary. Like you don't have to. You don't have to interact with any of that shit. No one's making anybody do it. It's just that people are choosing to and getting addicted to it. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait. Holy shit. Wait, just turn it off. All I know is that I'm I'm definitely going to uh I'm gonna immigrate to the Scottish island where they, they dance naked in the fields. Around the maple, <laughs> fucking murder any cops that show up. <laughs> Sounds ideal to me. Yeah. <laughs> Teach kids about toadstone. Compost. <laughs> Compost the police. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking campaign. <laughs> First we defund them, then we compost them. Oh no, no. Put it in the, the one on the right. The green bin is for the for the vegetables and stuff. The one on the right's for the cops. Yeah, you want Although, the blue one. You, you want really the blue don't. bin. <laughs> with sprinkles <laughs> you, really, you really don't want to you really don't want to compost like bodies though like you just you want to feed them to the pigs you want to feed pigs to pigs <laughs> I'm imagining just like like pig just giving you that like slanty side eye just like really dude <laughs> this is oh I get to you think it's funny man I feel like I don't have anything else to say interesting do you do you have something good to say <laughs> just, like I, I just felt like the movie was flat and then I was like I don't know yeah and then, and then you got you got sad for the world, and it's that in that state. <laughs> well, it's it's different. It's different than being like, like that staticky energy that comes from being like that was cool. What did, what just happened? Yeah. Or like, yeah, that was that was so awkward that I don't know how to talk. That's a different feeling too. But it was kind of like. I don't I don't know that much to say about the movie. And I mean, I mean to be honest, I don't I don't feel like I'm that interesting at all or, or like <laughs> like I should have a podcast. Like we should like <laughs> like we should sometimes I wonder if we should even do a thing, but it's like it feels good to do the thing. So I think I think that's the answer. I think you're I think you're gonna have to compost yourself. And, yeah. Uh, and and come back as the, as the refreshed dandelion. It just oh, that's a, just a thing. I mean, I've got Saturn 
in Scorpio. So I think that's yeah, and and Mercury. So like thoughts too. Just there's always this like I was melancholic. Saying, yeah, there's this like I was saying before. Like if I if I tell myself I'm gonna accomplish something, I have to like fail and quit, and then I can succeed at it. It's the same sort of shit. So it's it's basically giving up. In yeah. A sense. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it like lets go of all those expectations. <clears throat> so I feel like the the talk uh, Tim and I had on Nightbird Radio was like mm-hmm. that that talk was so great because like I went into it not knowing what we we're gonna talk about, <clears throat> and then it was kind of like just how it would have been if we were both sitting in this same physical space just like kind of drinking without a microphone and yeah it's cool but i also like the idea of like posting things when when i'm not at my best or when like i am and you're not and like i like the idea of the things we keep coming back to this at least i do like the that things need to be real even if they're not that great because like there might be somebody out there that likes that and and it's medicine to me either way oh i guarantee you there's someone out there that likes that 15 of them (laughs) soon to be 20 you think so yeah we should start like a a a pool just five more it's all we want five more (laughs) we can bet bitcoins because they're like 50 cents now (laughs) oh man that is tumbled off into into, yeah i've seen some very very emotional people on on twitter lately (laughs) yeah i can imagine it's been fun like i've I've really been enjoying them that that's that's drama i can get into (laughs) that's people like fucking oh man that was i was gonna buy a jet ski like people that people that don't have any idea that they're gonna be paying fifty dollars for milk in six months like (laughs) i mean it's not that bad i'm just kidding (laughs) yeah it's fun times it's fun times right now ruining ruining this show (laughs) it's it's full fucking apocalypse Yeah, I don't know if you've seen that like list of the uh, food processing facilities and shit. Um, yeah, that's that's concerning. It's real concerning. I'm sure it's completely coincidence, though. Yeah. Like, I'm sure that seven hundred thousand chickens uh, fell down a flight of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Their life alerts stopped working. They fell and they couldn't get up. So they can, uh... <laughs> uh, yeah. The cows all choked on a butterscotch. <laughs> uh, a Werther's or Werther's original? Is that what you mean? <laughs> 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 fucking old cows. It's funny. I wonder if, like, was the uh, like the culling of the mink? Was that just to see how people reacted to mass animal deaths or something? I don't. Or oh, maybe- that was weird. That that was a long. How fucking 
Yeah. That was like the beginning of the vid. Yeah, that was so long ago. Oh. That was some cool shit, though. Like, all the Danish farmers, they just, they were like, they were like, no, fuck you. And they all rode their tractors from across the country to Copenhagen downtown in front of the building that, like, is the capital of the country. Mm -hmm. That was fun. Yeah, man, they yeah, it was probably more to like see what would happen to the industry if they did it. Yeah, maybe. I like to know. watch watch the numbers. Like, uh, if we destroy this percentage of this, what happens to the overall price and the market? And then let's scale that up to the food before we start <laughs> knocking shit off this list, knocking chickens down flights of stairs, <laughs> booting chickens. Yeah, I don't know. It's a uh, it's a very weird world we're in at the moment. But the thing is, like, even amongst all this, like, we found each other. We're hanging out. We're talking. Yeah. You know, like, even amongst all the, it's it is it's the dandelions and the crack thing. It's like even there's always going to be positive things that come out of no matter how shitty of a situation is. Yeah. And I guess that's the fucking American spirit I'm talking about. That that stupid <laughs> optimism. That dying, dumb optimism. <laughs> Undying, dumb optimism. Well, maybe that spirit just like needs to more evenly disperse throughout the world to like individuals who are choosing to be representatives locally. Because if, if, if we could spread a little bit of that stupid optimism without all the, the bullshit that is attached to it, usually, uh, we could, I don't know, the places, the places that are still standing might be cool. Yeah. Sorry to be so bleak. Uh, oh, that's okay. But it's truly that bleak. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't actually feel that way until I started putting together that it's basically like every indigenous culture that has seers or like you know magicians um, that are just like, oh yeah, yeah, this decade's fucked. Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> Like basically only white people in the West are confused about that. Though not really, but it's like, you know, there's this total blindness to it, it seems. People calling for fucking like rooting for nuclear war. It's like I've never seen so many people lose their fucking minds at the same time in my life. Well, again, it's it's all focused in these very specific channels that I don't, you know, and it's amplified. And like, is that what is that what the majority? If like, if you talk to someone on a sidewalk, are they gonna think the same shit is regurgitated in these in these like 
churning social media mills. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's. Oh yeah. People, people will, will use the catchphrases that are on the news. Like it is, it is actual mind control. of some <clears throat> Like the way that the media has a grip on opinion. Um, and not just, not just news media, but social media too, because they're basically the same thing. Like everything you see on Twitter is just regurgitated shit from, you know, MSM. It's people rephrasing takes that the news was paid to say. And so their peers see it. And with their identity crisis intact, they just latch on to whoever seems the smartest and repeats what they say. And like, to be honest, I think six, six months to two years after we turn the internet off, everything would be pretty cool. <laughs> because if we didn't have any source of opinion coming into our lives, there would be a meltdown period. But after the meltdown, it would be like a, what is even real? Right? Mm -hmm. And then it would be like a, food's real. Well, those neighbors are real, but I hate them because they voted for so-and-so. But then, like the black guy saving the racist from death, they came over and gave me some potatoes when we didn't have enough food. And that's mm -hmm. real. That's real. And I no longer have the Twitter feed telling me to disbelieve the potatoes are real. So these people might actually be all right. They just say some things I don't like. And then a couple years after that, like your children are getting married. <laughs> or like, you know, whatever. It's like this easy progression into localism again and like a healthy form of tribalism, which like, like you're going to have tribes though, like small communities that are incredibly successful that still have conflict with neighboring communities, but still mm -hmm. get to still get together in like festivals and share their crafts and their, um, their skills and marry people off so that they can guarantee like that big wars don't happen like there are ways of these things that it's like systems that have lasted eons yeah now we just look at it and go like well it it wouldn't work because you know we're more complicated and it's like you're fucking not yeah i mean and i think the only thing we'd have to add to that is like uh occasionally getting together and crafting a giant wicker effigy that we can stuff uh, a, 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 a federalist pig into to burn for keep, guys I think that keep everything going but in the in the world to come no one gets left behind everyone has a role you know and, and like there's always going to be that guy that, that wants to be in charge and thinks he can tell everyone else what to do and I'm just really glad that because of this episode, there's no doubt about what his role is. <laughs> to be burnt away so that we can have fucking good food. Uh, he's a patriot. He just doesn't know it. <laughs> he doesn't need to. I also like that you you basically invented uh, cryptid potatoes there. 
<laughs> I, would, I would love to do Attack of the Killer Potatoes, and it's just a, like a knockoff of Attack of the Kill- Killer Tomatoes, which is already a B-movie. <laughs> I remember as a kid loving the idea of that movie. I, th- I don't know that I ever actually watched it. <laughs> Same, actually. Yeah. The exact same. And uh, Little Shop of Horrors. I've still never seen that. Oh, that's actually legitimately good. You're talking about the one with like Steve Martin and Rick Moranis. Yeah. Yeah, that mo- that movie is actually really, really good. Well, it's also a musical though, but and I know you 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 hate those. Oh, I, I no no no. I don't hate I don't hate musicals. I don't hate a musical that's self aware about the fact that musicals are trash. Like I think I'd enjoy that, um, but oh, and I don't I don't mind like a, a musical that's only a prop for dancing. That's really like I mm. fucking love Gene Kelly. You know I've never I've never watched any of those any of his movies. Oh shit! Okay, we'll we'll probably have to do one of those at some point too. Man, I'm really excited to start having guests. Um, yeah, I think that's going to bring some extra spice. That that that's going to be really good. I think I think it was great. We we took some time to feel it out ourselves. But like, I'm really excited for next week. Oh, do we know? Uh, we uh, do you have an idea already of who's uh, who might be the first guest? Yeah, no, I I I thought it was I thought it was Northman. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah, Northman and TSK next week. All right. Fucking awesome. Yeah, because I. I'm both excited to have him here uh, and also to see the Northman because I hear nothing but good things about this movie. Yeah, same. And I, uh, like, I kind of want to stray away from doing too much mainstream new stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I like, I like doing, I guess I'm just at a point in my life where I'm finally like bored with almost everything. And, and I'm into the stuff that's just like, where you just sit there and smile the whole time. Like, I can't believe this is, this is even a thing that exists you know <clears throat> like th- th- that's my favorite stuff right now or if it's actually just really really that that good legitimately but when i heard everyone complaining about how the northman was like full of toxic masculinity it was like well that, that'd be a good one to do an episode because <laughs> i think that definition has been sliding further and further into just like claiming all of masculinity <laughs> but just complete irrelevance at this yeah, point yeah yeah i'm really interested to see what that means and reflect on that and and also tsk is like he's not only like a close personal friend for both of us uh one of our best friends like he's uh three of us are like like a triangle and uh but he's he's also like one of the most knowledgeable um magicians and, and and experienced magicians that i know like he knows so much about so many things yeah it's gonna be really really cool and it'll it'll balance out um like me not knowing shit i don't feel like i know <laughs> shit is when it comes to I feel like a baby still i i think we're always supposed to i think if you stop feeling that way you did it wrong <laughs> but he uh He's he loves Norse stuff, and I live in Denmark and don't know an eighth of as much 
16 feet as much as him, so like, it'd be cool to just like hear his feelings on it and stuff. Yeah. I think I have something lined up for uh, the week after that too already, but we'll talk about that. Okay. Um, I mean, eventually we should definitely do Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> if I'm you've never it. seen that movie, we should definitely do that movie. I'm into it. I'm into the idea of like, like people we know who were like, we have a movie in mind that we know they love, but mm-hmm. also, and then also asking people to come on the show and just let them pick whatever the fuck they want, like what they love and they want people to watch and they want us to talk about with them. But then, yeah, no, no, I, I, the Little Shop of Horrors is more like when it's maybe just you and me again or something else. Like, well, uh, but then there's this third thing where, like, like this, where it's like, we want to watch this. So maybe we like seek out and find someone who's a someone else that's, that's wants to, yeah, to find somebody who knows shit about it. So we don't have to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we got to know a couple of theater kids in our extended extended social circles. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I don't know. Did you ever, did you ever know any, did you ever hang out with any theater kids? You ever knew them? Almost exclusively. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I dropped out of high school from my shitty high school and then I made friends with all the kids at the drama league from the gifted school and I would go to their drama league every Friday and like hang out with all of them and I'm still friends with a few of them like to this day actually one of them listens to the show that's one of 15 and oh my god hi Sammy (laughs) well I don't want to I don't want to disparage theater kids Uh, no no they're no they're wonderful but they're very weird people no, they're total freaks, uh, except, <laughs> except for the ones that I hung out with. Oh, I only I only hung out with the freak weirdos. I don't think I ever <laughs> met one that wasn't in some way. Yeah, it was it was where you went if you know you wanted to do something other than sit in fucking class. Yeah, like I like, one of my best friends uh that i've had since that age was is was like a techie back then and like now he builds sailing vessels <laughs> oh wow yeah oh yeah theater tech that's a whole other thing too like rigging i mean the rigging yeah. skills like transferred right over so uh, that, that's, that, that, that's what he does is he's, that's a hundred percent makes makes sense i you know um uh no, what I was gonna say is, is like, he's like, theater people are like, like the hot sauce of humans. Like, they, <laughs> it's like you have to really, either you really like it and it's the best, or you it, you can't stand it and you just you have to get away from it. Theater theater kids are licorice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man cool yeah. well yeah maybe we just wrap it <laughs> that's, that's good uh I, I i realized i brought up talking about dolly and we never got back to it but oh. i think i think now nah, that's for that's for some other time cool i feel i feel like we should i feel like we should actually dive into him or something yeah, he's a really weird interesting guy let's find somebody that's into dolly and do an episode of dolly that would be cool 
I just want to get to the point where we're just where where I at least I'm just piping in to make stupid jokes intermittently and listening to someone smarter than me. Uh huh. Yeah. That's what I want to happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening to the soapbox. <laughs> we'll see you next week with uh tsk um and the northman the northman yeah awesome bye bye and michael dealey said i think it's one of the 10 worst films i've ever seen uh, i had to agree so when i saw it i spoke to the producer peter snell i spoke to the director robin hardy and i spoke to the editor i spoke to Anthony Schaffer. And I said, let's try and find the negative. And what we call the outtakes, you know, the bits you don't use, but you print them. Never been seen again. Never. Never been seen. They couldn't find it. And that's 30 years ago. Nearly. I still believe it exists somewhere in Cairns with no, no name. I, but I still believe that. But nobody's ever seen it since. So we couldn't re-cut it, re-edit it, which is what I wanted to do. It would have been 10 times as good. Does that answer your question? <laughs>